0: It's the Stinking Truth podcast with your host Mark Schlereth. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers Sportsbook and Dude Wipes. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey guys, welcome in Stinking Truth podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth, millennial been produced in the show. Want to definitely uh shout out to our presenting sponsors great folks over at bet rivers bet with the winner bet with bet rivers check them out betrivers.com. um i tell you what they do a phenomenal job over there download the app check them out bet rivers also my guys at dude wipes and i i've got an offer for you 15 percent off just go to dudeproducts.com order yourself some butt wipes you're gonna be glad you did they are awesome DudeProducts.com. Enter the promo code STINK15 for 15% off. That's STINK15. Mike, how are you, buddy? You know, I'm good. I'm good. You know, throughout this season, you and I have been having fun. We're here in Denver, mm-hmm. and we've been having fun tweaking the Chiefs and Chief fans. Right. And we've been, yes. oh, well, it looks like uh, the dynasty that never was. And mm-hmm. boy, that Patrick Mahomes, he's been figured out, he's mm-hmm. washed. All the while knowing that that probably wasn't the case, and boy, did we get a reminder with that performance on Sunday night in Vegas. The boogeyman is back, Baba or whatever his name was in <laughs> John Wick. Oh, Baba Oh gosh, it just... uh, yeah. You know, here's the crazy thing. Like you and I have had a great time with it. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is washed up. What a bust Patrick Mahomes turned out to be, you know? One-year wonder. (laughs) Yeah, one-year wonder. Uh, And, you know, I mean, he was, what was he, the MVP of 2018, 2019. They went to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion, you know, went back last year, lost in the Super Bowl. And so just three years of dominance, but he's a bust. And then all of a sudden, bam, they, you know, it goes, 35 of 50 for 405 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, that's off the top of my head. I'm not sure if no, those numbers are 100% you're right. correct. You're right. But it just makes me it just makes me chuckle because here they are in last place all year, just all season long. They're in last place. Now all of a sudden, bam, everybody else loses. They're 6 and 4 in first place and you've got the Chargers at 5 and 4. You've got the Raiders at five and four. You got the Broncos at five and four or five and five. So you got you you've essentially got a one game lead on the division. And it's the largest one game lead in the history of the National Football League. You can't from where the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos sit, you can't see the Chiefs. You can't even see the Vapor Trail. <laughs> They're like, where do they go? It's like the Roadrunner. You know, like gone. gone. It's just history. I'm just like, Lord have mercy. I could seriously see the Chiefs reeling off five, six, seven more in a row. And at the end of the year, You going, think they're good now. Whatever was plaguing them, whatever hangover, whatever malaise they were in, you think it's gone. Just like I, that. I think just like that, they made plays. They self-evaluated and said, hey, man— Quit trying to chuck it down the field on every play. Take what the defense gives you. We're so athletic. We'll break a tackle. We'll make somebody miss, and we'll get the 40-yard gains like we always get the 40-yard gains. Don't worry about it. Um, we are so athletically gifted and dynamic. We'll do that. And and you think about, here's the beauty of the Chiefs, because defensively over the last three weeks, they've actually played fairly well, and they made that trade for Melvin Ingram, um, and he was all over the field the other day. So that that is a that's a big-time trade for them. But what is, like, every time I'm sitting in a production meeting, when I'm doing games for the NFL, NFL on Fox, I'm sitting in a production meeting, what's one cliche that every defensive coordinator in America tells you? One cliche, every, every guy says you this. stop the run. Well, they say that they got to stop the run um, in conjunction with we got to stop the run is, uh, and every defensive player says this too, got to make them one-dimensional. Oh, yes, right, right. You got to make them one-dimensional. Well... When you play defense for Kansas City, you know what you already are? The, opposite, the opponent's offense already is. Based on the way the structure of the offense of Kansas City is, is put together, you're already one-dimensional. Because you know when you play the Chiefs, you're going to get in a track meet. So... You know, teams come in to play the Chiefs, and they just throw away. They throw caution. Hey, man, we got to score touchdowns. We can't settle for field goals. we got to score touchdowns. It already makes you almost one-dimensional. You quit. You come in, and you know in the back of your mind you're probably not going to – you can't score, you know, mano a mano with them. You're going to throw the ball a bunch. You've already become one-dimensional. And so the Chiefs benefit on the defensive side of the ball based upon how their offense is structured. You know, we talk about complementary football all the time. That's complimentary football. Their offense is so dynamic that even if you possess the ball and you control the clock and you put together a 16-play drive, if that 16-play end, drive ends in a field goal and you're up 3-0, you st- I mean, you blink your eyes and all of a sudden you're down 7-3 to because they just went on a four-play minute and 30-second drive for a touchdown. And you're like, "Gosh, yeah! now we got to start throwing it. So it's just the way they're constructed, Mike, that makes them such a pain in the ass. And and now that they've figured out that they don't have to chuck at 40 yards. We've got the athleticism. We like it was almost like football hubris. We don't really want to do this. We don't really we don't really want to put a seven play drive together. Lord have mercy. How taxing is that? Oh, yawn, yawn, yawn. And they go, oh, I guess we'll have to make some underneath completions to a shallow cross and let Tyreek Hill take it for 26 when he breaks the tackle, ho-hum. That's how it is with them. It drives me crazy. I hate the Chiefs. <laughs> you talk about something happening in the blink of an eye. How all of a sudden did the Patriots go from a team that looked to be just you know, an, an average team and a, a young quarterback going through his first year of trial by fire to all of a sudden mm-hmm. now you got people like uh, Ryan Clark, your buddy over at ESPN, saying it would not shock him if this team ended up in the Super Bowl. Where'd this come from? Mike, they are, one, that young quarterback, It gets it's interesting because there are so many ways to win in this league. But the one thing that has proven been proven true for as long as this league has been in existence, if you got a dude that is smart, that can orchestrate from the pocket, that can get you out of bad plays, you got a chance to win. And Mac Jones, or as we affectionately call him, Squishy Mac, is that guy. He just is that guy. And it is so interesting because You know, I did a Patriots game earlier this year, and I was just kind of enamored with what they were doing and the way they were going. And so, just talking to Squishy Mac, put him aside, talking to Bill Belichick and talking to Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. Both of them, separately, not together, praised him for his work ethic, his understanding of football, but his insatiable appetite for knowledge, for doing it right, and how he can take whatever they give him, that they cannot, there's, his plate is indestructible. I mean, he, he doesn't have a plate that he loads his food, it's a platter, and he can take it all, he can digest it all, and then he can go out and execute it without, flawlessly. And they're like, by the time we roll in on Saturday... He's got the entirety of the game plan, every check. There is nothing we can throw at him that he can't handle. Bill Belichick told me is we've, he has complete and total autonomy to change the play at the line of scrimmage if he sees something he doesn't like to get us in the best possible play because he's that smart. We don't have to you know, spoon-feed him. We, we're not giving him baby food. He went directly from formula to... To solids, that's squishy Mac, and and it and it shows. I mean, uh, first guy in the building, last guy out of the building takes flash code, cards home. You know, is has his girlfriend quizzing him all the time on his flash cards. Like the guy, the guy just absorbs it all. And this guy is running the Brady offense. This is the Brady offense. Yeah, well, the the thing, yeah, the thing about them, yeah, absolutely. He is. This is a plug and play system that well grew over the years with Brady and they're plugging him into this they're plugging him in but you've got to understand one thing about New England that's a little bit different is New England is going to be like a lot of teams are trying to be they're going to be multiple um and they are going to attack your weaknesses so they have they have stuff that they hang their hat on you know they have their standard plays they hang their hat on but every week, based on they're gonna alter and morph into what you really struggle with, so they're just from a design standpoint, they're really good at that, and they're just they have a philosophy over there. Is we're just not gonna we're not gonna beat ourselves. You win a game against New England, you got to win a game against New England. You and and they count on. You're gonna make more mistakes than we make and we're gonna capitalize on that. Yeah. And it, defensively, yeah. man, you look at them defensively, they're a man coverage team, but they know leverage. They know, you know, where their leverage is, where their help is, where the problems are on every single play, and they play to eliminate those things. It's almost like it's almost like they go into games like we're not we're not necessarily trying to win the game. We're waiting for you to lose it. Yeah, that that's a a hundred percent a philosophy that they have is that what we're gonna do is play clean. You're gonna play dirty, mm-hmm. and um, and we're gonna capitalize on on the dirty mm-hmm. nature of the way you play. So all those things, all those things are true about the Patriots. And I hope you enjoyed your time. Um, your anti Brady doesn't, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. You know, I, I hope you enjoyed your year and a half. Really, you think they the- figured it out and they've built back that quickly? Dude, they are. They are. I think they're legit, man. So, I think they're both sides of the ball are legit, and they're gonna give they're gonna give the Bills a run for well, the money. I was just gonna say, I thought yeah. the Bills were the. Are you saying now that for your money, the the Patriots are the the best team in the AFC East? I I'm still gonna take I'm still taking the Bills, but I'm not I'm not even remotely I'm not even rem, I won't even be remotely surprised, not even a little bit surprised. If New England finds a way to uh, usurp them at the end of the season, they play twice in a four-game, a four-week span. Yeah, in Buffalo on a Monday night, then in Foxborough, I think three weeks later. So twice in four weeks, these two teams will uh, will square off. That should be very, very interesting. Uh, over in the NFC, mm-hmm. who are the real Cowboys? Are they the team that got blown out by? A- very mediocre Bronco team, or is it the team that turned around and completely annihilated Atlanta? Who are they? It's the team that annihilated Atlanta. Um, you know, the Broncos game, notwithstanding, Jerry Jones came out and said it was the flattest he'd ever seen, I think, the Cow- I think he said ever seen the Cowboys. I don't know if he qualified that within recent years or whatever, that, but he was, you know, he was very... Just very matter of fact, and I'm with him. Man, they had so many drops and just so many. Like they looked, they looked. It looked as though they completely overlooked the Broncos. Like we can just show up and be better than this team. They had drops. They had all kinds of things going on. Now the Broncos probably played their best, most motivated, most uh, you know, the the best game that they have played. Well, there's no question, the best game they've played under Vic Fangio. Um, two and a half years, two and a half years. There, There's just no question, but I think it was that, that was true. Like two things can be true at once. The Broncos played the best they have played under Vic Fangio in two and a half years and the Cowboys completely overlooked them completely. was just like, we can just show up in uniform and we've got enough to beat them. And they didn't, they, they, I mean, they, every mistake that you could make them you know, from a, Getting a pump blocked and, you know, to you I mean everything you did, uh, you know, blocking a punt, excuse me, and then not getting the ball because somebody touched it when it went over the line of scrimmage. Having a couple fourth downs running your first couple of drives that you didn't convert on. I mean, everything that could go. Murphy's law game for them. Um, but I think they probably learned a very valuable lesson. They came back, opened a can of whoop-ass. On uh, the Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn gets a game ball. Former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, really special time for him. Um, that's really cool. But I think it's—I think if I had to put a percentage on it, I, just break down that game in general. Put a percentage on it. How much was the Broncos playing their best game that they've played under Vic Fangio in two and a half years, and how much was the Cowboys just not even being locked in? And I probably say. Twenty percent Broncos, eighty percent Dallas. Just not giving a rip, and it just goes to show you the week-to-week nature that this league, even more now than ever, has become. Mike, because any given week, you you can get your ass whipped, and and part of it is I think like this is just my personal theory. Part of it I think is you like a lot of teams just don't have identities. They, it's become such a week to week league, even from a game planning standpoint. Right? We're gonna we're gonna go. Okay, what what have they struggled with the last four weeks? That's gonna be our game plan. Well, what if you're not good at the stuff that the other teams put on them? You know, what if you don't have the players? They I don't I don't care. They struggle with this. We're gonna run it. And I think that's a lot of the league right now. I think the most like the team that's the most one of the most consistent teams in the National Football League is the team that I would say more than any other team has an identity that I can trust, and that's the Tennessee Titans. I just know Mike Vrabel, what he wants, the way he wants his team coached, um, the way he wants his players to execute in the offense and the defense they want. And they, they just go out and say, this is who we are. We're going to bully you and see if you can hold up. A team that I think has an identity, knows how they want to play, Mm -hmm. but has been struggling to get into that identity. But boy, did they show it on Monday night, the 49ers. Now, all right, let me get this out of the way, okay? Mm -hmm. Full disclosure, folks, Mark has a serious Shanahan bromance, okay? Whether it's Kyle or Mike, you are pro-Shanahan. So, now, that said, is what you saw from San Francisco in dismantling the Rams, is that legit? They're, they're four and five. Mm-hmm. What does that performance mean moving forward? They, they're four and five. That's the way they're constructed to play. They haven't played that way all year long for a myriad of different reasons. Okay? There's been a bunch of different reasons. Um, but that was uh, send my wife upstairs to bed, lock myself in the study with a tie on the doorknob, and, and watch some serious football. You know, Mike, I, as I went through um, I went through kind of the offseason, and I talked to probably 12, eight, 12 different staffs, just about the run game, and you know, I consult for a couple of teams and stuff. Every, every team I talked to this offseason is studying Kyle Shanahan in their run game. As a matter of fact, I was calling Tampa at Washington this weekend. I'm on the field pregame. A couple of the coaches um that I'm friendly with over at Tampa call me over and say, Hey, stink, stink, stink." Here we go, and you know, we're chopping it up and we're just uh talking to their offensive coaches about uh how they've really increased the volume in the run game. Like Tampa all they ran last year was a play called duo or doubles or it doesn't matter what you call it, twenty-two duo. And it's basically a gap play where you get double teams across the board. So center and backside guard are double teaming to the backside offensive linebacker. Or, yeah, excuse me, the backside linebacker. Um, guard and, and tackle on the front side, double teaming to the front side linebacker. The two tight ends are double teaming to the Sam backer or, or taking the Sam and the safety. And then oftentimes you you motion, you know, a receiver in and he inserts and he's got a safety or a corner, whatever, you know, whatever they got, Right. That's the duo play, and that's pretty much exclusively what the uh, the Buccaneers ran last year, and they're running a lot more wide zone, tight zone, split flow stuff, um, and so I'm talking to their coaches, and, and they were like, yeah, we we really dissected the 49ers running game, and we want to add and implement some of that in there, so yeah, yeah, I have a bromance. Now, you got to understand, they were down early in the season to their fifth and sixth string running backs. Um, they lost Kittle for a time, who's th- the best blocking tight end in football. They've had injuries in their offensive line. They lost their quarterback in, in Jimmy Garoppolo for a time. I mean, they and they have not been truly able to implement what they want to do based on injuries, based on new guys, based on the, the lack of depth, at the running back position. And it's really funny because they drafted Trey Sermon in the third round and expecting him to take off. They don't even play him. They drafted Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. He's their starter right now, and he's only their starter because they lost three or four other guys. So that's kind of where they are as a, as a franchise. But, boy, the complimentary nature of when they run the football that way, the play-action stuff that's set up off that run game is exceptional, and the way that allows their defense to play fast and downhill. That's how they want to be. They've got a week schedule coming up. I could seriously see them reeling off. You know, another another one of those teams get real off five, six, seven games in a row and uh, all of a sudden um, be competing, yeah, not only for the playoffs, but for that division crown. Yeah. Which suddenly seems to be that division is, uh, you know, kind of, kind of up for grabs again, you know, especially we've seen Arizona playing without Kyler Murray. They got to get him back. You, you did Tampa against Wooft mm-hmm. this past week. Do uh, you see any red flags popping up with the Bucs? They've lost two in a row. Yeah, interestingly enough, I, I think the Bucks will be fine. I think they're one of the most talented teams in, in all of football. Um, Brady threw a couple of first-quarter picks, um, one off the hands of a receiver that was a completion, and the other was just a bad throw, um, which you normally don't see. I, You know, I, I do think they've got to be more consistent running the football. They've got to get more balanced. I think they're throwing – they're almost throwing it 70% of the time. It's just a – it's not a recipe for sustained success. I know they've got, you know, unbelievable guys outside the numbers. Mike Evans, great. Chris Godwin's a great player. Uh, Tyler Johnson has played really well. You know, they'll eventually get Gronk back. He's missed some games with broken ribs, and I think uh, I don't know if it punctured his lung or there was a lung issue there. Then he came back a little early and had back spasms. So, you, you know, seen Antonio they're... Brown more yeah. than you you would have thought. What's that? Are they missing Antonio Brown more than you would have thought? And and he's got a great rapport with uh you know with Tom Brady. Yeah, so I think all those things are factoring in. I think the other thing is is they've had now eight different start eight in nine games or whatever it is, starting different starting cornerback combinations. Um, they have been so beat up on the back end and they should be getting Carlton Davis back. They should be getting Murphy Bunting back. That's gonna help them a lot. Uh I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not ready to push, push the panic button, but uh, I think you'll see them kind of, you know, right the ship as well and get going. But I got to give Wooft credit because Wooft played their asses off. Um, you know what? They deserve. They played so well against Tampa that they actually deserve to now get a nickname again. Really? Yeah. You think they've earned a nickname? I think that, you know, it's almost time to you know, bury the proverbial hatchet. I don't know if that's a bad term. Is that a bad term? Is that a term of... I don't know. I don't know where I bury the hatchet y- comes from. Yeah, I don't know if... We, yeah. we, Can I seems say like, it anymore? It seems like every week we try to figure out the... Uh, right, what's politically correct? If that's epa, the, politi- epa, What's the word? Epa? The etymology. Etymology yeah. of burying the hatchet. Yeah, we probably should just uh, avoid that. I probably should stay off the just bury just the hatchet. Like, yeah. there's so many, There's so many, like, old... Call them cliches or or whatever. What do you what do you call those things when you like old sayings, right? That you find out you know that's uh, that saying comes from a time where we don't want to say that anymore. Like it's it's you know. So uh, if I've offended you, uh, get over it. Well, is what no, I'm saying. No, this is good. Okay, uh, All right. it, you looked it up. Yes. Okay, good. The phrase okay. "bear the hatchet" comes from a ceremony performed by Native American tribes when previously warring tribes declared peace. So it would be a ceremonial burying of the hatchet as a sign of peace. But, again, the team formerly known as you-know-what, yeah. now they're the woofed. and All then right. I said bury the hatchet. And so uh, if that offends you, um, you'll get over it. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. So, anyhow, let's uh, – but but at some point, can you know – While you were we, out there, by the way, did you hear any talk of um, what the – because everything I've heard is they're going to have a nickname next year. I it didn't know I didn't I did not hear it. any but leaders I, in the clubhouse. You know, no, but let me just tell you this story because some of you you know don't see it my Instagram posts or my but let me tell you this story because it was surreal. So the last time I was back in that area, Mike, the last time I was in that facility was nineteen ninety five, where the woofed practice. Same facility that I that I started going to in, you know, in in um well, I started going to eight. Well, they they opened up that facility in '92, so I spent nine eighty-nine, ninety, ninety-one '89, '90, '91 in the old facility, and then you know opened up that facility. So I was there '92, '93, '94, and in the spring of '95, I was walking to the facility, and uh, the management pulled me aside. You know, I was going down to work out. I was coming off a a, a pretty good end of the season. I was a free agent, and uh, the powers that be stood there in the hallway and told me. I was no longer of value. They didn't think I could play and that they didn't have any interest in re-signing me and uh, good luck in the future. You know, you can still use the facility to work out until you sign with a new team type of thing. And I think it's really hard when you see your kind of work mortality, right? When when all of a sudden, you know, you've been a quote-unquote warrior or a battler and all of a sudden people tell you you're no longer of value. Right, and that's a that that's a gut punch, right? We no longer value you. We don't think you're any good anymore. And so that started this quest into free agency. And the very first day of free agency, you know, I got a I was on a plane the very first day. As soon as free agency opened, I was on a plane to Chicago. And so there was interest, right? And I, like I said, I wasn't in '93. I was really sick with guillaume barre syndrome. I missed half of the season. '94, the first half of the season. You know, I was still working my way back in, but by the end of the season, the last four or five games, I started playing really well again, and so then there was real interest, and so I fly out to Chicago. Uh, I fail a physical. Uh, I go to Indianapolis, fail a physical. I go to Atlanta, I fail a physical. Um, the Doctor in Atlanta told me I had the knees of an eighty-year-old woman. And didn't believe I played in the NFL. Like it, it, you know, it was, uh, it, was it was hard, right? You, you, now all of a sudden you're like, am I gonna? My is my career over, right? And anyhow, um, you know, I, I kept, I kept kind of grinding it out and finally found a place to play here in Denver. I passed the physical and, you know, I said this in my Instagram post, you remember the story, you, and I'll ask you, do you remember the story of the guy who quit too early? You no. Remember? Yeah, nobody else does either, either right? Nobody remembers, right? Because you just got to keep on fighting. And the best thing that's ever happened to me is the Washington Redskins at the time, mm-hmm. woofed, telling me, we don't think you're good anymore. And I got to come to Denver. I got to play for Mike Shanahan, who took care of me for six years. Um, I, got to, I got to win back-to-back world championships, Get to go to Pro Bowls. Um, you know, got to, got to play again and, and, and be valued again. And, um, and so, like, that stuff for me was really cool to walk back into that facility. And one, to be, you know, to be welcomed with open arms and like, hey, man, it's great to have you back in the facility. That part was really cool. It felt great to be to be there, you know, to be a part of it again. So uh happy you know, and, and I was I was truly I was actually truly happy for the way they played and um, a little more emotional? Yeah, I think it homecoming was Homecoming than you maybe yeah, you thought it would be. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of surreal. It was sur- the same fields and everything, you know, and you go back and you start to reminisce with all the guys that you sacrificed with and sacrificed for and um So anyhow, it was just a, it was a really cool kind of atmosphere. And so just really happy. And I was happy for them winning that football game, you know, obviously upset for Chase Young and the injury that he suffered and all that kind of stuff. But um, anyhow, it was a really cool kind of surreal experience for me. So kind of come full circle. And I almost, it was, there was almost this therapeutic kind of cathartic healing moment. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, because I still carry competitiveness yeah. and and a little bit of bitterness, like up yours. Yeah, and I felt like I I let it go a little yeah, bit. Yeah, proof you can come home again. Right, you can go home again. Yeah, so really yeah. cool, kind of a cool moment. Hey, listen, for everybody involved, we appreciate you. Want to thank our our, our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Bet Rivers, um, bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Download it at betrivers.com. Also, um, Dude Wipes, Dude Products, fifteen. Uh, excuse me, Stink15 at com. So DudeProducts.com, Stink15 is the promo code. Receive 15% off of your orders. For Mike, I'm Mark. For Millennial Ben, thank you so much for listening to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast.